This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Women Arsecast on Arsblog.com, the best podcast dedicated to the Arsenal women's team because it's the only podcast dedicated to the Arsenal women's team. You're here with your host, Tim Stillman, for this week's episode. And I say this week's episode rather than this month's episode because we're going to have two episodes this month. That's right. And that's why I'm going with a slightly cold uh, intro um, because we had two guests that we're recording this month. And I didn't know at the time of recording the first guest, who you'll hear from presently, uh, whether that was going to form one podcast, one kind of bumper edition, or whether we were going to do two. Um, and as it happens, I spoke to uh, both Max Jones and Aidan Small from Arsenal.com earlier today. And that interview was, was frankly, was fabulous, was really, really interesting, uh, really insightful about uh, kind of the social media strategy behind the Arsenal women's team from Arsenal point of view, uh, the online content, um, procuring kind of accurate historical data about the women's team. That's that's a big issue in women's sport, not just women's football, really, the kind of the lack of archiving in history, because, you know, up until recently, women's sport just kind of happened and nobody was really keeping track of what was happening. And so in, you know, in terms of Arsenal women, for example, you've got all these players who've had hundreds and hundreds of appearances and nobody was really tracking it or, or kind of um, keeping a tally um, and so you'll hear from Max Jones of, from Arsenal.com who was given the wonderful job of rectifying that um, a couple of years ago and it's an ongoing project but um, and, and we had a good discussion about how that data informs the content um, kind of having a house style um, how the content on Arsenal.com has changed because this season for example for the first time pretty much all the Arsenal women games are viewable online now uh, which is a big big step change for the WSL whereas you know even last season most of the games weren't on and up until a couple of years ago really the Twitter feed the Arsenal official Twitter feed was the only way unless you were at the game of keeping up with what was actually happening so we have a really good discussion about how all that's changed and um, how the kind of Arsenal women brand and identity, particularly on social media, um, is kind of developed um, and all of, the, all of the planning that goes into it. And it's a, it's a really fascinating discussion. And it ran for about 40 minutes or so. So uh, we decided to make that its own episode. Um, and we'll also be hearing from Leah Williamson um, as well at the end of the episode. 
Um, so yeah, so when when I was first started talking to Max and Aiden, I didn't know whether whether that was just going to be one episode or two. So I didn't do an intro with the guests, which is what I usually do. Hence this ramble at the beginning. Um, but as I say, uh, really really grateful to Max and Aiden from Arsenal.com for their time. This is like a lot of the Arsenal women content you're going to be seeing in the next kind of few weeks and months. This is something that has been in the works for quite a long time. Um, I've been discussing doing this episode with Max. And Aiden for ages, and obviously it's been really difficult because we all do the same job, right? We all kind of produce content about the Arsenal women's team, um, and that means our schedules are very much dictated by the games, and it's been very difficult to find a time to do it. But obviously, there's no games now, so that's that's kind of removed that obstacle in a way. Um, so yeah, we we were able to kind of hook up with Max and Aiden very easily. Um, really, really grateful to them and to Arsenal as well for for kind of green lighting it. And, you know, as usual, just being completely calm and relaxed about uh, the prospect of me speaking to club employees. Um, and as I said, you'll also hear from Leah Williamson on this episode. Um, Leah, again, um, this, this was kind of an interview I had in the works for quite a few months but with the kind of uh, the grind of games and fixtures it's sometimes it's difficult to find um, that time to actually sit down and do it um, Leah you might have seen on Ask Blog News I spoke to Leah um, you know at the time of recording about 10 days ago now and uh, we had a, a very kind of data-led piece um, I looked into her data for this season and spoke to her about her game and how it's developed and uh, I was really really happy with uh, with how the article came out and as Max and Aiden say on this episode it's always great talking to Leah um, I'm actually going to release all of the audio of that interview on the next episode which will come out next week um, I could only really use just for the sake of the word limit about half of what Leah said um, in that interview that I wrote up on Ask Blog News so what I'm going to do in the next episode next week is release the full audio because it's such a fantastic interview and Leah's uh, such an engaging person to listen to and um, has great insights on not just her own game but but the game in general but on this episode um, kind of going with a new feature that Pippa and I dreamed up which is about um, kind of just asking the players questions about their teammates a fairly just a fairly fun quick fire feature now obviously that that feature might be slightly difficult um, to put out in every episode at the moment because we don't have as much access to the players as we did um, again because there are no games but um, we're not completely cut off from access to the players, so hopefully that's something we'll be able to kind of uh, weave in and out of the episodes until uh, everything starts up again. Um, but really, really grateful to Leah for her time. So on this episode, you're going to hear from Aiden and Max from Arsenal.com next, and then you'll hear uh, from Leah on her teammates. And in the next episode that's coming out next week, we'll be talking to Jen O'Neill from She Kicks magazine, who I'm sure most of you are very familiar with, kind of the kind of the absolute godmother of English women's football um, and English women's football content. Um, she's been running She Kicks magazine for over 20 years now. Um, and we're just going to have a general chat with Jen just about the current situation, what it might mean for clubs in the WSL and a bit lower in the women's pyramid. Um, and then on that episode, we'll also run, it's about a 15 minute interview that I did with Leah um, about her game um, and about some of the data that she's, that her performances have produced this season. So uh, without further ado, uh, here's, me talking to Max Jones and Aidan Small from Arsenal.com. Hope you enjoy. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, I'm delighted to be joined by uh, two August gentlemen from Arsenal.com, Aidan Small and Max Jones. Gentlemen, thank you for joining the show. Absolute pleasure, Tim. Thank you. Yeah, cheers for having us on, Tim. Um, first of all, um, obviously, I've given your names there and the fact that you work for Arsenal.com. Um, if I start with you, Max, can I just ask you maybe to introduce yourself, um, outline your role for Arsenal Media, particularly with the Arsenal women, uh, and maybe how you came to work for Arsenal? Yeah, okay. Um, so I'm a social media editor for Arsenal Digital, um, which means that I'm part of the team posting daily on the Arsenal accounts. Um, I primarily work across the men's social media, um, but also help Aidan with the uh, big picture content and the big set pieces on the women's account. Um, I guess perhaps the most relevant thing for, for this podcast is that I'm keeping track of all of the stats. So anytime you see anything go out about a player reaching 50 appearances, um, I've been the one doing all of that, tallying up. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of diligent note-taking and stuff like that on a, on a Monday morning after a weekend game. But yeah, that's, that's what I've uh, decided to spend my time doing and it's been very good. Um, in terms of how I got involved with Arsenal, um, I actually studied sport journalism at the University of Brighton and while I was on that course after my second year there there was an opportunity to do a placement year at Arsenal um, so I did that during the 2014-15 season um, where I covered something like 120 games in a calendar year because I was doing the women's games the academy games and the first team games as well um, and yeah I've, I've been kept on since then so I've it's just been a case of getting more and more involved as the years go by and like I said now I'm, I'm primarily working for the first team content but um, yeah also pitching with the women's stuff and Aidan actually had a, had a similar sort of journey to me so I'll, I'll let him take over from there. Yeah so I've been with Arsenal for two years now um, working as a club reporter and heading up Arsenal women's social channels um, and I basically originally joined the club on, on a year-long internship similar to Max uh, following my second year at the University of Brighton um, studying sport journalism and basically on this break from my studies basically had the in incredible opportunity of covering every men's women and academy fixture um, over the course of the 2018-19 season and similar to Max, I think I must have covered well over 100 games that year. So you certainly see your, your fair share of football. Um, and, and since then, I've stayed on with the club while I finished my third year studies. So, it's yeah, it's been a, another busy, busy year for me. And so does um, does the club, you, you both kind of uh, from University of Brighton, right? Does, does Arsenal have like a specific um, kind of deal with them or is that just a coincidence? I think I was the... Um... 10th student maybe to come from the University of Brighton so that they sort of struck up a a partnership back in for maybe mid 2000s um, and yeah they just kept it going from there so they'd send one um, one student each year to Arsenal give them a taste of it get them to do all of the uh, dog's body work but obviously as a student you're just you're happy to be out of a lecture room to be honest so um yeah, we we got both Aidan and I got stuck in as much as we could, and um, yeah, we've been fortunate enough to have been kept on. Um, there's also another guy, Connor Armstrong, who yeah. you may know. He's a bit of a Twitter celebrity these days, but yeah, he uh, <laughs> he came from uh, University of Brighton as well, and and Nick Brumsack as well, who's uh, who's just left the club. So yeah, there are quite a few of us. So we're hoping that that partnership can continue. And uh, Aidan, if I if I kind of come over to you now. Um, 
can I ask because obviously you you do the socials and that includes kind of the uh, the uh, particularly the match day socials probably mm. the most visible part of your job anyway what does um, a typical match day look like for you when Arsenal women play what what particularly are you in charge of and, and who do you work with typically yeah, so on a typical match day, I'll, I'll provide our social media coverage across Twitter, Instagram uh, and Facebook. So basically starting from first thing in the morning right through to our final post of the day. And during my first season with the club, you know, I was also responsible at the time for producing the match report, updating the website and conducting post-match interviews on top of that. Um, so you, you certainly kept busy in your in your student year. Um, but since then, we, we've recruited another student from the Uni of Brighton scheme and he's been able to help us ease the workload a little. And that kind of helped us to provide, you know, some more detailed and focused coverage um, across our social channels. And then, you know, on a, on a match day from a communications perspective, you've got Rebecca James and, and David Moat, who often, you know, assist you if there's any key talking points on the day with things such as injuries and also assisting the rest of you guys in, in the press box with getting your interviews and the like. Um, but in, in terms of our match day coverage, you know, typically we'll schedule most of our tweets and in, in an Instagram post the day before to, to save yourself some, some extra work in the morning and not getting up at seven o'clock just for the sake of it. Um, <laughs> you've got to do it if you're working the odd late game here and there. But, you know, once we're about three hours away from kickoff, that's when our coverage typically shifts to a, a greater focus of, of live content with things like, you know, the arrival photos of the ground, the team stepping off the coach, checking out the pitch, team news, the, the kind of stuff you, you can't really pre-plan. Um, and when you're at that stage, it's pretty much non-stop for the rest of the day from there. Um, you'll be making match day graphics for team news, half-time and the final whistle on, on Photoshop, filming warm-ups for, for Twitter and our Instagram story, providing live tweets for the game and, kind of reacting to any moments that give us the opportunity to drive engagement and interact with our fans and I think that that final part is the thing I enjoy most on a match day at least you know being reactive to moments being creative on the spot that's you know in a way that's almost become synonymous with the Arsenal men's account over the past few years yeah there was there was a tweet I particularly like I can't remember what game it was recently but I think Viv scored and uh, you managed to upload a very recent interview that she'd done with Lisa Evans where Lisa Evans just says her whole name <laughs> yeah, Viviano Margarita Marina Astrid Minamar. That, that's <laughs> it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like. I liked that one. And mm. and Aiden with the match day socials and and particularly the Twitter feed here. Um, obviously, there's been a big change in the WSL this year in that all of the games are now televised and people can see them. Um, particularly and and that's particularly important for fans overseas. Um, and really, I think this is the first time. Um, because of that, like Arsenal women have really, really been able to tap into the kind of the more overseas market. Um, mm. it has has like the approach, particularly to the match updates and the match day socials, changed as a result of that? Because previously, even last season, quite often Twitter was literally the only way for people to keep up with what was happening. Has has there been a change in approach, or or, or have you just taken the view to keep doing the same thing? No, absolutely. There's there's definitely been a massive change in approach, I think, with regards to our, our social tone. I think when I first joined at the, the tail end of the 2017-18 season, as you say, there were far fewer games on TV, you know, meaning our, our Twitter feed and, and yours, to be honest, um, were the go-to spots for instant updates on the game. Um, and that meant tweeting about even the smaller details of the games, such as half chances, nice bit of build-up play and kind of any extra information that helps to build a, a clearer picture of the, the game, if you like. 
but I think with more games being shown on BT Sport and the BBC Red Button now, plus the introduction of the FA player, that need for updates on smaller details of the game have kind of vanished um, and, and the numbers online certainly show that and I think as a result we've shifted the tone of our social coverage um, whereas previously you've maybe described the goal in great detail knowing fans might not even see it until you know the Monday morning when highlights packages are released you know later the weekend now the vast majority of our fans will be watching the game live um, and WSL account will, will tweet the footage out within minutes um, so that that original need for that extra detail isn't isn't quite there as much anymore um, and I think this means that we'll often use these kind of big moments to drive engagement and draw a reaction from our fans instead um, whereas, whereas previously we'd maybe tweet upwards of 30 times during a game I think now we're far more selective of the moments that we choose to tweet um, and this means capturing I'd say the emotion of the goal rather than the detail um, and, and trying to relate to kind of the fan culture of following a game online um, I, I think a lot of the planning and forward thinking goes into that throughout the week as well. Um, often, like my, myself, Max, and, and Connor will spitball ideas throughout the week. You know, good, bad, and absolutely dreadful, um, and, and you see what sticks. Um, and that's the good thing. We kind of shoot each other down if it's an awful idea, and if it's a good one, then you roll with it throughout the week. And I think that's how often, often how, how tweets that appear reactive on a match day happen um, because we've got the idea ready to go. It, it's written up in, in a little text edit box and it, it's ready to copy and paste. And, you know, as you said, for example, earlier this season, we recorded a video for our What Do You Know YouTube series. And in that video, Lisa Evans said Viv's full name, um, much to the delight of Viv in the video. And uh, <laughs> we, we were playing City in the Conti Cup that weekend. So I, I decided in the office on the Friday that if Viv scores, rather than announcing the goal in the typical fashion of using a GIF, um, that we'd use that video instead. And it kind of takes the, the tweet from being a standard goal announcement, something that, you know, just passes by another tweet into something that instantly becomes a shareable piece of content that can potentially be used again. And since then, I, I know every time Viv scores now, we're being peppered with that video in the replies. So it's uh, it, it's putting our view counter up every time they use it. So yeah, it's, 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 it's that's worked. Just it, to uh, just to jump on the back of that before uh, you move on, Tim, um, I think Aidan sort of mentioned it there, but the the women's account in the last twelve months has has probably mirrored what the men's account did as well. I don't know how far back you can remember, but mm -hmm. certainly in the early days of Twitter, the men's account was literally minute by minute commentary. There was yep. no um, emotion behind what it what was being said. It was just black and white text. Rarely ever photos used. Um, we made a conscious decision about four years ago with that where um, we thought, you know what, we're tweeting too much. People are already seeing what's going on. You know, if they're not watching it on Sky or BT, then they've got a stream up. So we need to add something different. We need to add something extra um, that they're not getting anywhere else. So that's where the the emotion of these tweets comes in. And as Aidan said, it is it is all planned out. Like there, there are some times where you will legitimately think on the spot say it's a really late winner that's when you you're at your most creative and you're at your most under pressure mm. but on the whole we are planning these out and it all fits into our our approach on social media which is um think like a fan but act like a club so we want to make sure that we're trying to get all of that fan sentiment within every single one of our tweets we we miss a chance in the last minute we're just as devastated as all of the fans who are watching you know we score a late goal brilliant that's that's great let's celebrate it as much as we can let's see what content we've got from before 
but yeah there, there is a lot of thought that goes into it and i guess people who are listening to this podcast who have, have been in charge of a social media account know exactly what that is but i think quite often it's it's a bit of a misunderstood role um, and there is a lot of thought and creativity that does go with it and that that moves me on nicely actually to to my next question which i'll I'll go to Aiden first, um, but Max, if you want to jump on the back again, please do. But um, I spoke to uh, Gemma Avery um, a couple of seasons ago. Gemma was um, David Moat's predecessor. Um, mm. She she did a year as the kind of marketing manager because um, uh, uh, Faye White, I believe, was on was on maternity leave, and I did an interview with her, and uh, we were talking about like the branding of the women's team. And the kind of, I guess, the thin line between um, making them part of the club, but also giving them their own distinct style and their own distinct voice. Um, and it's interesting to see how different clubs manage this. So Man City, for example, made a decision a couple of seasons ago to merge their social channels, um, which personally I think is a rubbish idea and it doesn't really work. But that's kind of up to them and if it works for them um so in, in terms of the social media branding is there a distinction uh, like a conscious distinction um and and what is it like i guess trying to find that that thin piece of land between um the women being part of the club but having their own distinct uh, identity yeah to be honest i think arsenal women's kind of house style on social media has become very similar to the men's account with regards to the way that we announce our goals, kind of cover a match day, deliver signing announcements. And I guess, you know, as Max said as well, play to the crowd of our supporters. I think we want our account to be somewhere that fans can kind of come to for updates and all the latest information. But we also kind of want to be an extension of their fandom and, and capture the emotions that we know they're feeling. Um, and, and by doing that, fans will become more likely to continually engage with your content you know you don't online you don't want to appear tone deaf and as the club why wouldn't you want to match the emotions that fans are you know so obviously feeling when you score a goal or or grab a last minute winner um and and yeah as you say i think this is in in line with the with the men's account it's something that we have really looked to to merge between the two and i think that social tone has been very successful for the men's account over recent years and i think that's allowed some of the tweets from our account to be some of the most shared tweets ever from a football account. You know, that, that few tweet recently um, was posted when Liverpool's unbeaten run came to an end is now the most, you know, popular tweet ever from a football club, um, surpassing Leicester City's, you know, winning winning the Premier League. And we've adopted a very similar tone on the women's account as well. Um, I think since then, we've become the largest women's team account in Europe for 10 consecutive months. And I think most importantly, um, it, it seems that our fans respond really well to, to our content too. Yeah, I think also what we've what we've noticed, especially this season and last season, um, is we have a, a lot of fans for the women's team who have started supporting Arsenal women because of certain players. So you've got players like Miedemar, like Daniel van der Donk, and you see so many of these um, fan accounts going round. You know, it's proper proper football twitter as we uh, as we call it on the on the men's accounts but that's starting to spread now into women's football and you're getting all of these dedicated um super fans who are demanding lots of um specific player content and i think that's probably the, been the biggest development certainly since aiden started working for us so in the last two years we've we focused lots on trying to build up um Maybe not build up, build up's the wrong way, but um, 
showcase i guess the different characters within our squad so you know you've got someone like kim who's just immensely dedicated but would we put her in front of a camera to get her to um you know mess around a bit probably not because that's not the sort of person that she is but would we do that with a mitch would we do that with lisa evans absolutely we would because it plays into their strengths it, it plays into what the fans want to see with kim for example we can put out a best goals compilation of her because she's scored so many um and we can we can do a serious sit down interview with kim because she's a great talker and she loves getting uh, loves getting her point across in those sorts of interviews. Sure, she can have fun as well when we when we do get her on camera in a what do you know or whatever, but we know that she'd much prefer to be uh, seen as a more uh, professional or more responsible, I guess, uh, <laughs> player. So, yeah, it's, it's all about finding out about those players and making sure that we're showing off the best side of them. I think building off from that as well, I think as Max mentions there, the, the personalities of the players are one of the big things that really dictates our social coverage. I think when you look at the men's team as well, there's so many phrases that we've got for particular men's players. You know, back when Awobi was here, it was the you know big 17. Number of things we do with lacquer, like the trumpet emoji, little things that you tie to players to, to make it a really nice shareable bit of content. And when you see that stuff, you instantly recognise it to the player. And that's something that as the women's account has developed um, over the past, you know, couple of years and shifted towards that social tone. And as Max mentioned, there's more fans of, of players rather than fans of clubs a lot online now and fans of national teams more so um, that we've kind of tapped into that potential of, of player personalities. And as Max says, you know, when we refer to, to Kim Little online, it's often Captain Little and it's, it's mm. often a far more professional uh, you know, outlook when when we're tweeting about Kim, and then with other players, you know, we we tap into the the idea of Viv being the goat. Um, God knows how many times I've used the goat emoji over the last year now, and simple, you know, little things like that. Um, and and you tap into little things, and and Danielle van der Donk, for example, being known as as running, you know, a hundred miles every single game, and and little things like that, and her getting involved in little scraps on the pitch and, and things like that you tap into all of those little personalities and I think that's the stuff that, that fans like to see that's the stuff that fans tweet about so as a club you know what why not tap into that as well why not why not react to it and, and play into that side of things and uh, kind of on that and and yeah on on the point about kind of player fandoms um, by far and away the most popular episode we've ever had in one of these podcasts is the one we did on the Dutch players mm. um, the, the listener numbers were kind of off the charts for that one um, is, is there I guess is there because I know this happens a lot in, in uh, like with men's team social media accounts um, that there's an occasional sense of collaboration because effectively you're not competing with each other right you've got your fans and they're not going to move clubs and so there is like that sense of collaboration is it is it the same with some of the women's accounts and and, and I guess I'd kind of add into this question before I let you answer it but my sense with Arsenal um, you know having been around a few other kind of WSL clubs is that Arsenal come off to me as much more relaxed um, in this in this kind of sphere, um, particularly when it comes to media and stuff like that and, and socials, because I think Ars the, like the brand of Arsenal ladies and Arsenal women um, is really strong and has been there for a long time, whereas there are a lot of other clubs who are just beginning to invest in their women's teams and just beginning to build those brands. So is is there um, like a, a collaboration with other clubs at all over things like socials or online content? 
I think definitely in ways of I, I can't say that we as Arsenal women directly communicate with other clubs over their social media strategies but I think the thing that we're always looking to do online is trying to grab inspiration from elsewhere. And if someone else is doing something well and it seems like they've, they're have they working on something and it's it's working for them online, then of course, you know, we'll take a look at that and, and see if we can implement it for us as well. I think if you're, you're running a social media account, you've got to be switched on to these kinds of trends um, and you've got to be ready to jump on them the moment that they're popular is, you know, to be honest, with, with social media, it's the way. If you leave it a day too late, then often the moment has already passed, you know? And uh, Max, um, I'm going to come to you a bit now um, and, and, and a little bit more around your role, particularly when it comes to the women's team. Um, I remember having a conversation with Andy Exley, the programme editor, a couple of years ago, and, and he kind of told me about this, uh, shall we say, large scale archiving projects that, that you were involved in to get like historical stats about the women's team, which are kind of hard to lay your hands on. Do you want to just talk a little bit about um, that project, what it was, where it came from and some of the challenges you faced accumulating that data? Yeah, so... Um... I guess we start by saying that at Arsenal, we're, we're very fortunate to be um, part of a club that's so proud of its history and, and that's um, been so good at collecting stats since day one. Um, and of course, in the women's case, that means since 1987. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this this project kind of goes back to 2017, which would have been the um, 30th anniversary of uh, Arsenal ladies or Arsenal women um, as they're now known um, so yeah Claire Wheatley uh, the general manager she came to Andy Exley um, and said basically they're looking at launching their own version of the 100 Club um, for those fans who, who don't know what the 100 Club is um, for, for the men's team it's basically every player who's made 100 league appearances for um, yeah, for the men's team, for the men's first team. Um, so you've got players in there like, you know, Sol Campbell, Colo Torre, these legendary players. And the idea is that if they wanted to come back to a game at the Emirates, they could. You know, they've got their place in history. They've made um, 100 league appearances for Arsenal. They get a special tie and they're invited to a game at the Emirates, which they can watch from a box. Usually it's Bob Wilson in there as well to um, accommodate them. So it's a really nice way of former players um, staying in touch with Arsenal and still being a part of the club. Um, so obviously, 30th anniversary of Arsenal Women comes around. Claire Wheatley wants to make her own version of it um, for the women's team, rightly so. They, they should be given an opportunity to, to still be a part of the club because some of these players you know, have made 500 appearances, the likes of Emma Byrne, and you move on from the club and then that's it. So it's, it's great that um, they're given an opportunity to be able to still have that legacy on their team. So what we decided was that because they didn't play too many league games um, back then, um, we would make it 100 appearances in all competitions. Problem with that is, and I don't know how many people listening in um, have actually tried looking up appearance statistics <laughs> from anywhere before probably last season, um, it's pretty tricky to find any reliable information. You know, players' names get mixed up all of the time. And on the whole, there wasn't really any detailed log of uh, of any of the games, really, um, especially from the Spring Series as well. I don't know if you've tried looking up anything from the Spring Series. There, it's almost like it never happened. So anyway, Andy, uh, Andy decided, yeah, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to give this a go. So luckily in our office, 
and in the stadium as well um, we've got a specific room which is dedicated to all of these match day programs and ever since 1987 um, we've been keeping um, a log of every single Arsenal women's game so we've got match reports and we've got the appearances substitutes goal scorers um, so Andy spent a lot of time after hours at work uh, trawling through this information and making tallies on bits of scrap paper um, and I think he he got all the way back to the start of the 19 yeah, just check my records 1999-2000 season um, so yeah about 20 years worth unfortunately we've still got another 13 or so years worth to do um, which we will get round to eventually and once we can um, get the dust off all of those records <laughs> Um, but yeah, for now we've we've got we've got most of the um, most of the stats that we need, and then once Andy had those, he sent it across to me, and I was just able to um, make sure we had it in digital form. So we've got a, we've got an Excel spreadsheet that's got um, appearance stats, goal stats, uh, penalty saves, that sort of stuff, and we've got um, yeah, we've got pretty much every single bit of information that you could probably need on Arsenal women going back for the past four years or so I reckon so it's, it's a project that's still going on and it still requires a lot of time but this uh, this quarantine has certainly helped out yeah and let's hope that the WSL season isn't voided um, for a number of reasons but <laughs> for you chiefly because that means all the stats from this season are wiped out um, of course um, Tim as far as I'm concerned we've we've been doing the research those stats are there <laughs> I'm not deleting those <laughs> fair enough um, and do you ever have any players that approach you um, you know past or present who have a particular interest in their stats or, do, or, or does that not really happen um I, I, they, they probably don't don't approach us but I imagine when they see it on social media it's um, it's quite useful for them we often see them whenever we put out a graphic saying 50 appearances or whatever we often see them ask for that graphic or share that graphic themselves and then put it out so it's it's certainly something that they're they're proud of and it's I guess it's a massive resource for the club as well to to have this information um, you know we've got we've got a list of the 100 club um, inside the first team or sorry the men's players briefing room which I believe the women's team can also use now um, and it's you know it's this big plaque and on it it's got all of the names who are in the 100 club chiseled onto it so when Jen Beattie came to sign for us you could see that she was nearly going to make it there um, Danielle van der Donk I think is the most recent if, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken so her name will be chiselled into this plaque as well and then yeah for years to come you'll you'll just have Danielle van der Donk's legacy around the Arsenal training ground so I think from that point of view it's, it's great for the players um, when I was on co-commentary with uh, Louise Quinn for one of the Champions League games um, she was ripping it out of me because I had up-to-date goal and appearance stats on Emma Mitchell and she said why do you need why do you need Emma Mitchell's goals <laughs> but yeah then you've also got the um, you've also got the stat which did some really really big numbers that we never thought would so um, I don't know if you know Josh James he also yes. works on the, on the men's programs as well um, so he's he showed me how he'd been keeping up-to-date stats for goals and assists throughout the entire 
Premier League era, I believe. It might even stretch further back than that. But yeah, he's got every single goal scorer, every single assist, minute of the goal, um, the score that the goal, or the score that it was at the time of the goal, um, and then also how the goal was scored. So right foot, header, you know, volley, left foot, any any of that. Um, so I was doing the same thing for the women's team. I thought, yeah, that's going to be a, a great thing to have. And one day, Aidan and I noticed, well, hang on, we've scored the last 10 goals, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. So we thought, well, this is brilliant. We'll see how long that this can stretch for. So we didn't mention it um, until I believe it was Jordan Nobbs went yeah. and ruined it. It was. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was that was a bit annoying from our point of view. But we still did do, um, did do massive numbers on that tweet just because it's such an odd stat to try and keep the fact that we did for so long I mean I, I guess people appreciated it and it's worth noting as well that Jordan got absolutely ripped in the club group chat for ruining that by the way so uh... <laughs> and uh, what about um, and I guess a question for both of you the interrelation between stats and content like you were um, like you were alluding to there and I know this season there have been like some milestones for example and like how again how I guess how how does it work in terms of um, Max? Do you nudge Aiden or something and say uh, this player's on forty-eight goals or, or you know on one hundred and ninety-eight appearances? Like, how does um, that interrelation between stats and content play out? And um, yeah, I guess there have been a couple of big examples of that this season, right? Yeah. So um, I guess we'll we'll do goals first because goals is goals is probably easiest um, for us to tackle just from a content point of view. So someone like uh, Viv, for example, Viv hits a hundred goals, and she's not too far away. Um, she hits a hundred goals. I've actually got a separate spreadsheet just dedicated to every single goal that Viv scored. So essentially, when she gets within, um, well, as it's Viv, when she gets within about four goals of it, because she could always score four goals in one game, um, I would send a list of her 96 goals to a video editor um, and our one of our video editors within our our team at Arsenal Digital would be able to cut together a montage just so that all all that she she would need to do is just add on Viv's goals at the end uh, the goals from the most recent game um, so we've already got that bit of content ready to go in terms of appearances um, fans who have gone to Boring Wood this season um, would have noticed that players who are hitting 100 appearances or 200 appearances have started receiving special shirts with um, 100 or 200 on the back. Mm. Um, so that's done as a, a pre-match presentation before the game now, which is something which never happened until we started um, keeping these stats. So that that's something which makes me really proud. Um, but the way that that works is when they get within let's say five or so appearances, I'll send an email around, I'll copy an aid in, I'll copy in people from our operation, match day operations team. Um, and I'll just say, look, five games to go. If, if Jordan appears in all of these games, then she'll rack up 200 appearances. So we just need to be ready on this date um, to, you know, present her with this shirt. And that's when we put in a graphic request with our design team, they create something. So we're able to, get ourselves prepared for a social media announcement but then also the announcement in person as well and we're able to do um, or to make a really big fuss around that at the time so it's a real team operation um, and having all of these stats has certainly certainly helped us um, and I hope it's I hope the football department would say the same as well I imagine they would 
Yeah, and of course there have, there have been some, some really nice examples this season as well, like Viv and Aubameyang hitting 50 Arsenal goals in, I think, the same week. Um, mm-hmm. And then, um, I mean, personally, I know I had content planned for Kim and Jordan hitting 200 games, and the fact that they were able to do it on the same game was absolutely wonderful. Um, I, I really, I really, there was a part of me that really hoped one of you were saying to Joe, like when they were both on 199, like, you've got to pick them both. <laughs> <laughs> well, we actually, I think before that, before that game, we actually had a press conference up at Colney with Joe, and I, I was asking the first couple of questions. I thought, do you know what? I'm just going to chuck this in, just feed it to him and just see if he picks up on the hint. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, and because it was a Conti Cup game as well, right? So there was like maybe some chance of rotation and I was sitting there going, please don't, just just play them both. Uh, <laughs> kind of just, just looking to, to wrap up a bit now. Um, I, I guess a question for both of you. Is there a current player that you could see having a really good media career after after their playing days if they wanted to? Like, are there any future Alex Scotts in our ranks, do you think? I think, to be honest, we've within the Arsenal women's squad, we've got a lot of very talented players in, in the squad from a media perspective. You know, like Lisa Evans has, has become very popular online for her, her content with We Play Strong. I know Louise Quinn has, has done a lot of punditry on Irish TV, joined us on Arsenal Nation Live, and as Max mentioned earlier, joined him on, on commentary when she was out injured as well. And obviously Kim is, is very switched on when it comes to talking tactics and the way she sees the game too. Um I guess, I guess for me, one of the players who I think could perhaps have a, a career in the media is is Leah Williamson. I think, mm-hmm. as those who follow Arsenal women know, Leah is incredibly well spoken, um, and and over the years has given us some really really good interviews on on just about every topic possible. Um, you know, she can discuss the emotions of a game and, and give really strong tactical insight within a minute of basically stepping off the pitch which I can imagine is, is not easy to do um, and, and she can also just jump into an interview about some of the work that we we do with Arsenal and the community and our foundation basically without being prompted um, and, and more recently just even for my dissertation I was I was looking into the um, relationship between the, the 2019 World Cup on the success of the current WSL season and again with little to no time for, for Leah to get any research done jumped on and, and gave me a half hour interview of, of some really good stuff so yeah I think with the way that, that Leah certainly speaks in our interviews and, and carries herself and how articulate she is that could yeah perhaps have a, a career in the in the media after life after football yeah I, I completely agree with what, what Aidan says we we're really lucky as a as a media team to have um, so many players within a first team setup who are just really happy to help out um yeah, he, he mentions Kim, uh, Lisa, um, Viv. Viv's great as well. I know when she's on the pitch, she doesn't look like uh, she's too happy all the time. But every time we've dealt with her, <laughs> she's she's delighted to get involved and give us as much help as possible. Danielle van der Donk, obviously. I mean, I, I would struggle to look at um, the current Arsenal women's squad and go, all right, they're a nightmare to deal with. Because no, none of them are. They're all absolutely brilliant with us. And, and just to just to build on, on Aidan's point there about Leah... Um, I've been responsible for writing the um, in my own words pieces that you might find on on arsenal.com and I remember doing one with Leah and it started off as just a it's just an interview about her making her full debut for England so just went over to her with a dictaphone at the training ground one day and just you know can you give us just two minutes on what it was like 
so she started talking and then we got to the end of the interview and she went oh actually i've got a picture of something that my mum gave me and it was a playing card with the number six on it so i said oh what's the meaning behind that then so she started telling me and it was obviously i'd stopped dictaphoning at this point and she gave me some absolute gold and i was furious with myself that i hadn't pick this up in, in an interview situation so i said to her look leah i'd love to i'd love to pick this up again with you and, and talk to you about it she was like oh okay well i'll tell you what well how about i send you through uh, just just a message about what this means to me and everything and then you can write it up and then if we need any extra quotes then you can always contact me and we can work it out from there um later that night so about four hours later she'd sent me almost a dissertation uh, yeah dissertation length essay on what that shirt meant to her so all i needed to do really was just you know tidy it up a tiny bit i mean it was it was pretty much written out like anything you'd find in a newspaper column anyway it was it was brilliantly done um and then she sent me all the pictures to go with it as well so we put it out it was probably one of our most successful in my own words pieces to this day um and that's just because leo really understood the format so you know, all of our players are media savvy, but I think if you're looking for the next Alex Scott, then Leah Williamson. Yeah, and that, and that's really nice because she happens to feature on this episode. <laughs> and, uh, and by <laughs> the way, you are, Tim. yeah, and and by the way, one of the I I did like a it's like a quick fire Q and A, and uh, not to give too much away because it's coming up after this. But um, actually, I asked her who um, she thinks is most likely to be a manager. Um, in the current squad and she said Viv um, which which mm. which actually surprised me but when I thought about it um, I thought no no that makes sense but yeah I mean I, I completely agree like I mean for for us on our site and for you guys Leah's gold as well because she grew up as an Arsenal fan as well um, you know so and you know got that that very very kind of legitimate backstory as well which is just you know content dynamite um, just just a final question um, before I let you go for you both uh, maybe a short one. Have have either of you made like an embarrassing error in putting out in putting out content? So whether that's a tweet or whether that's like a faux pas with a player, um, is is there anything that that kind of makes you cringe a little bit? Definitely, definitely. <laughs> I think Tim, there was that game we were at um, where I think everyone inside the press box believed that Louise Quinn had scored a goal, yes. um, and instead I robbed our seventeen-year-old academy prospect of a hat trick. So I felt pretty awful for that one. Uh, and then I remember there was an under twenty-threes game with it was so much fog it was unbelievable, and it was called off at half time. And right before the break, uh, Dinos Mavropanos scored a goal. Um, and everyone in the press box didn't have a single clue. We didn't announce the score for a good 15 minutes. Um, and I think that's just one of those things. It happens. It happens on social media. And I think instead of trying to brush it under the carpet and, and letting everyone online rip you in the replies for not getting it right, I think often it's better to just kind of acknowledge those things, um, use it to your advantage, have a bit of fun, poke some fun at yourself. And uh, and yeah. You know, I think that that's the best way to handle it because it will happen. <laughs> and I, I have to take responsibility for the, the, the Ruby Grant one because it was me who said Louise Quinn had scored when she hadn't. <laughs> um, what about you, Max? Uh, how long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, quite a few. Um, I guess like the, the one that I remember the most is... Um, goes back to yeah probably 2014 so when we put the student who at that point was me in charge of tweeting to 11 million followers at that, at that time and i think i was only in my 
whew, second month or something. And this this definitely illustrates just how far we've come as a social media team since. But I remember uh, Danny Welbeck scoring for England and obviously he just signed for Arsenal at the time. So we wanted to put out a congratulations tweet for him. Um, I was watching the game with some friends and I, I think he maybe scored the opener or something like that. So obviously got a bit excited but thought, oh, I'm on the Arsenal Twitter account. Put out a picture of him with uh, just the caption, that guy. And we just got absolutely battered in the replies. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, oh, hang on. Oh, maybe maybe I need to um, be a bit more serious with this one. I remember texting my boss at the time just saying, mate, I'm so, so, so sorry. I did, I really, really messed up here. And him coming back and just saying, no, 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 it's absolutely nothing. Um, but I remember losing some sleep that night over it because <laughs> social media back then was taken very, very seriously from club channels. Whereas now, if we just put out, you know, Danny Welbeck's school for England, doesn't matter. No one would care. There's no emotion behind it. Um, in terms of getting players mixed up, um, there's been a few of them. Most notably was when um, I believe it was... Uh, I'm going to make an even bigger fool of myself by getting this one wrong as well. Now. <laughs> um, there, there was a team playing at the Emirates and they ran through on goal and fortunately Czech saved it. Um, so I put out a tweet without even checking the team sheet just because I thought, well, I know who that player is. And I put in, you know, check saves from Ayu. Uh, it turned out that team had sold Ayu six months before. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, got that one completely wrong. Um, immediately, uh, immediately realised my mistake. Um, so when we had all of the uh, fans tweeting us back, then, I mean, like Aidan says, you just got to own it. So... Yeah, just ended up putting a load of glasses emojis back to the. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really have anything to say back other than just whenever you're putting out a tweet, just make sure that you uh, make sure you double check stuff. In fact, in fact, while while I remember, um, probably the the most iconic one, um, certainly from recent years, has been the Oxlade Chamberlain team sheet. I don't know if you saw that one doing the round. <laughs> I don't uh, think so. No. no, so our design team had basically come up with this. Um, they come up with this template um, for uh, the team sheet. So obviously the longest name on the team sheet would be Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. So just to make sure that we could fit the text in all of the boxes on this team sheet, they'd put as the um, starting text Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain everywhere. So I went into this team sheet, I changed it all, made sure that the formation was right and everything like that, had all the right names on it, checked over it once, absolutely fine, checked over it again, absolutely fine, clicked and dragged it into the um, into the tweet box, put out tweet. Uh, the problem was I dragged the template in there instead of the uh, oh. actual version. <laughs> so we had a team of 18 Alex Oxlade chains. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think um, uh, I, obviously I don't go out to quite the size of audience that you guys do, but I, I guess like uh, I, I'm not sure if this counts as a faux pas, and I feel comfortable saying this because I think people know Viv's sense of humour. But after the Brighton game um, earlier this season, um, it, the heavens absolutely opened about two minutes before full time, and people who've been to Boreham Wood know that the mix zone is completely open and I, I wanted to speak to Vivian Miedema in the pouring rain and you know that that's quite a nerve-wracking moment anyway trying to get a player to stop on their way into the dressing room and um, I stopped Viv and she she stopped and I had an umbrella and I said do you want to get under that umbrella and she said no I want to go inside 
<laughs> and, and you know Viv right she's, she's got a very dry sense of humour and she was only joking but that was kind of sorry about that mate <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but there we go uh, gentlemen I've taken far too much of your time but that was absolutely fascinating really really appreciate that um, thank you both oh, absolute pleasure Tim thank you for having us on yeah cheers for having us on Tim anytime thanks again to Max and Aiden, and I, I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did um, and found it as revealing and as insightful as I did, I kind of sit next to Aiden at pretty much every Arsenal women's game and uh, never really had that level of conversation about uh, the content that Arsenal produce. As I said at the outset, and as we said during the interview, we're also going to hear from Leah Williamson now with a kind of quick fire uh, Q&A about her teammates. Who does she think would win in a fight? Fairly surprising answer uh, to that one. Who would she vote for as prime minister? Who would she most like on her team in a pub quiz? Um, as well who's the best dressed Um, just kind of silly questions like that but um, hopefully quite insightful about some of her teammates so that's coming next quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, Leah, quick fire. Uh, well, 19 questions um, in your case about your teammates. Um, be as frank as you like. Who is the best dressed? Me. Uh, if not me, Jordan Nobbs. Fair enough. And the worst dressed? <laughs> the worst dressed. Um, oh, good question. This isn't very quick fire, is it? <laughs> um, I'll have to give it to Viv. Viv doesn't care what she wears. She always comes in and, I mean, I think she still looks cool, but um, you might not say it all matches. Fair. Who's the best singer in the squad? I don't actually think we have any singers. Um <laughs> Kim Little always sings quietly um, and I've had a debate with Jordan about this I don't know whether or not it's it's, um, the best in the squad but I think she can hold a tune and I think she's keeping this big secret Fair enough and who's the worst singer? The worst singer is Jill she's (laughs) always singing as well I actually have to tell her (laughs) Fair enough who is the most likely to become a football manager when they retire? most likely to become a football manager uh, that's probably a toss up between Viv and Jordan 
Fair, okay. Um, who's the most likely to cry at a film? Most likely to cry at a film. Maybe Beth. Okay. Um, yeah, probably me, if I'm being totally honest. I cry at everything. But, um, Dan, oh, Dan Carter. Dan Carter always cries. She pretends she doesn't, but she does. <laughs> Fair enough. Something in the eye. Um, who's, the, yeah. who's the best trainer? Sorry, say that one again. Uh, the best trainer. The best trainer, Kim Little, without a shadow of a doubt. Fair. And the worst trainer? Jill. <laughs> Fair. Jill I, I... was always here for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> Fair enough. I thought you were going to say Viv there, but okay. Um... <laughs> Do you know what? They, either of them, either of them. <laughs> and who's um, the biggest joker in the squad? The biggest joker, Lisa. She's always trying to prank people or, and especially catching it on camera as well. <laughs> and uh, if you had to vote for one of your teammates to be Prime Minister of the UK, who would it be? Oh. It's, it's a hard one. I mean, Viv has, has some brilliant ideas, but she'd be a bit brutal with her... Um, <laughs> implementing it um but i'd have to give it captain kim and my most uh most political i think yeah and uh i i suspect your answer to this question might be the same but um if one of your teammates had to take a penalty to save your life who would it be <laughs> to save my life yeah, yeah it's gotta be kim she's yeah. our she's our penalty taker yeah, I think that's fair. Who's... I don't think I'd trust anybody to take my life, but <laughs> I'd give it to Kim, the closest. I, I asked Kim that question about, I don't know, about seven years ago, and she said Kelly Smith, which, you know, I oh, think yeah. that's, that's yeah. fair enough. But obviously she's not an option <laughs> yeah. anymore. So um, yeah. who's the loudest in the squad? The loudest. Beth Mead. Okay. Always talking. And who's the quietest? The quietest. Maybe Vicky, Vicky Schnellebeck. She's okay. she's just quietly goes about her business. And who swears the most? Swears the most. Me. <laughs> Fair enough. I, th I thought that was going to be DVD actually. Although I I, I remember Kim dropping an F bomb on BT Sport, which was great. But... <laughs> it's my favourite of all time. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, who would you want on your team at a pub quiz? Viv, very clever. Okay. But we're on a circulation of the same players here, aren't we? <laughs> there there are some themes developing. Okay, what about <laughs> this one? Who's the hardest? So who would you who would you least like to fight? The hardest. Probably Manu. I would not like to get in a fight with Manu. She's she's very calm, never aggressive, but I think if she needed to to switch, I think she could. And she's probably the strongest. Fair enough, fair enough. And um, we already know who you supported growing up. And uh, I kind of know the answer to this one as well, but who was your favourite player growing up? Women's Kelly Smith. Yeah. Uh, men, I always had Thierry Henry on my back. But yeah, Kelly Smith takes the, takes the trophy. Yep, I think that's fair enough. I think that goes for a lot of us. Leah, thanks so much for that. That was very illuminating. And um, 
yeah, hopefully one or two of these will go up for Prime Minister one day or, um, <laughs> you know, help you win a pub quiz. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. And that's it for this month's episode. Huge thank you to Max and Aidan from Arsenal.com and, of course, Leah Williamson for her time. And you'll be hearing more from Leah on the next episode. Access to players isn't entirely cut off, um, so I'll keep dropping some messages and going cap in hand to some of the players and hopefully keep them appearing on these podcasts as and when they appear. And we'll try and keep these podcasts as regular as we can during this kind of no football period. But hope you really enjoyed that. Um, and we'll be out with another one featuring Jen O'Neill and Leah Williamson in about a week's time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.